Good morning, everyone. Jacoby, man, I don't know you. I, I couldn't be more proud of you. What year, what year are you, man? What year in high school? Junior? Yeah, so it was my junior year when I gave my life to Christ. Now, I went to the, the higher education in this county of Osborne High School. That's what I graduated from back in the day, you know. We rode a horse and a buggy there, but uh, <laughs> I, I gave my life to Christ my junior year, March 18th, 1981. You'll remember your date, and don't ever stop telling people the date that you gave your life to Christ. It's important. You and I are probably going to talk a lot during this message. They'll get to listen to us, but it'll be you and me, okay? Because uh, I'm with you, man. I'm with you. Hey, if you have your Bibles, uh, and I hope you do, go ahead and turn to Revelation chapter 22. Here we are, the first Sunday of the year. We're going to get to go to the last book of the Bible, the last chapter in the book, and more importantly, the last recorded words from our Savior. We're going to get to talk about those this morning. So we're going to be on a journey today, and I'm just going to have to ask you to trust me. I know that I probably, probably haven't earned your trust um, yet. My, my wife and I, we come to the 915 gathering. This is like being at a new church here, uh, you all, you know. Uh, at 11 o'clock, we have a life group uh, that, that meets upstairs, and um, we, we, we're, we spend our time there at the 11 o'clock hour. Um, but in this journey that we're on, we're going to really, really, really focus in on heaven. And, and I hope you'll just trust that we can take that journey together, okay? So I want to start... And this is Revelation 22, um, and start in verse number 7. Jesus says, look, I'm coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy written in this scroll. I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. And when I heard and seen them, I fell to the feet. I fell and worshiped at the feet of the angel who had been showing them to me. But he said to me, don't do that. I'm a fellow servant with you and with your fellow prophets and with all who keep the words of this scroll, worship God. I want to start pointing out some things, start breaking some of this down. Verse number seven, I think there's two things that we really got to get a hold of. And when Jesus says, I'm coming soon, this is the first of three times in this chapter that he says, I'm coming soon. So the word soon, we get that from the Greek word tachy, T-A-C-H-Y, all right? Tachy is translated to quick or fast. In fact, many translations of the Bible, ESV, I know that King James, they talk about, th their language there is, hey, I am coming quickly. That's the word they use rather than soon. Quickly is a better translation of this than soon is. Because soon, I'm going to finish this talk. You know, hour and a half or so, I'll be finished talking. What's an hour and a half in a 24-hour period, y'all? That's soon, right? But if I say I'm going to finish this talk quickly, 
You start getting on the edge of your seat. You're like, oh, yeah, that's, that's, that's better news. Quickly, he's going to end this thing quickly. Look, I don't know when Jesus is coming back, but this I do know. When he decides to make his return, it's going to happen quickly. That's the mindset I need you to keep for the rest of this text. When Jesus comes back, he's going to come back quickly. Let's keep that, okay? So, the second part that we see in this, again, these are Jesus' words. It's not Stoney's words. These are Jesus' words. Jesus says, blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy written in this scroll. Now, this seems to be a fairly simple statement. All we got to do is just keep the words that are written in this scroll. How do we keep the words that are written in this scroll? Well, the assumption would be is that we would have a, a consistent exposure to God's word. Rather than just 30 or 45 minutes on a Sunday when many, many believers open their Bible. Our pastor always says, if you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, it's important to bring God's word with you. It's important to have a regular exposure to God's word. When I was studying for this, I ran across a research from Lifeway Research. This was kind of interesting, I thought. How often do you read the Bible? Protestant churchgoers, every day, 32% of people that go to church, I read the Bible every day. That means 68% don't, y'all. A few times a week, 27%. Once a week, 12%. A few times a month, 11%. Once a month, five times. Rarely or never, 12%. Rarely or never, open God's. Look, this is God's word. This, This isn't my word. God says, blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy written in the scroll. This is 2023. This is day one. Would anybody like a blessing in 2023? I'll go ahead and get in line. It'll, I'll, I'll get in line. You know, I want to get in that line. Well, what's the blessing? The blessing is God's word. That's what Jesus says. Jesus says, blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy written in the scroll. That's the blessing. God's word is the blessing for you and I. And when we don't spend regular time in God's word, we are not getting the blessing that Jesus said, I'm going to give to you. It's in my word. N.T. Wright says that every year, if you know N.T. Wright, you've already heard of him, does a great podcast, Ask N.T. Wright Anything. He goes through all these crazy things in the Bible, and he just explains it really well. But he says, every year I read the Old Testament once and the New Testament twice. And people go, wow, that's, that's a lot. It's doable. It's doable. This past year, all of 2022, I'd made the decision that I was just going to spend the year in the book of Psalms. If you've heard our pastor speak very much, you know that he loves the book of Psalms. And I was like, you know, I've read the 150 chapters that's in Psalms, but I don't know that I've ever just kind of spent a lot of time. So this year, 2022, or I should say last year, spent each day reading. And I would try my best to read about 10 chapters a day, 150 chapters. You can do the math on that. It takes you about 15 days, and you're starting back over at chapter 1. 
and you're starting back over at chapter 1, and 15 days you're starting back over. And you can go through the book of Psalms a bunch, a bunch. It was interesting, whenever I would get to Psalms 111 through 120, I started getting a little bit anxious, because <laughs> I knew Psalm 119 was coming. Psalm 119 has 176 verses in it. Like, oh, Lord, i got to get through that. Do you know that's kind of interesting? About 171, 172 of those 176 verses, the writer talks about God's Word. My Bible has commentary down at the bottom. I have a life application study Bible. The, the commentary that I have there says that it's thought that Ezra had written Psalms 119. Go figure. A priest would write about how much he enjoyed God's Word. Jesus said, I'm going to come quickly, and blessed are the ones that keep the words that's written, of the prophecy that's written in this scroll. I want you to look at just some of what one, uh, Psalms 119, what that is, what those blessings are. Psalms 119.1, blessed are those whose ways are blameless, who walk according to the law of the Lord. Look, 119 has the law, the precepts, the commands, the statutes, uh, all of these things that talk about God's word. It says, blessed are those whose ways are blameless who walk according to the law of the word. How are you going to walk according to the law of the word if you don't read it regularly? Verse 11, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Verse 18, open my eyes that I may see wonderful things in your law. The blessing of these wonderful things that's in God's word. Verse 22, remove from me the scorn and contempt, for I keep your statutes. Verse 28, my soul is weary with sorrow. Strengthen me according to your word. You know, sometimes life is heavy. Sometimes circumstances are tough on us. And God's word says if we just simply turn to it, it can strengthen us according to his word. Verse 36, turn my heart toward your statutes and not toward selfish gain. Verse 67, before I was afflicted and went astray, but now I obey your word. Verse 94, save me for I am yours. I have sought out your precepts. 113, I hate double-minded people, but I love your law. Man, who doesn't want a blessing? God's word has been a blessing to me. So on March 18th, 1981, I gave my life to the Lord. I would love to tell you for the last 40, almost 42 years now, that every day I've studied God's word. That's just not been the case. I've made a commitment several years ago to just have a regular, consistent time in God's Word. And I cannot tell you what that has done for my life. Look, we sometimes wonder about the struggle, right? Because the struggle is real. Problems are happening, you know. What, what's the answer to this? How are we going to get through that? But if we're not studying God's Word, then how are we... How are we how are, we supposed to, how are we supposed to manage that? If God's word only happens on Sunday morning, we'll be a mile wide and a half inch deep 
Can I tell you? We've never, not individually, not as a church, not as the bride. My wife was here at the first service. And we, we started dating when I was in high school. She was in high school. And uh, it was my sophomore year, her junior year. And um, I never really went on another date with another girl. We married her right after I graduated high school. A couple years later, we, we, we started having children. I have two, two adult children. And God willing, and I believe that he is, April, April the 16th, will be our 40th wedding anniversary. And I want to tell you, I want to tell you this. My girlfriend at the time and her mama prayed for me because um, I, <laughs> I wasn't really interested in church. I was interested in her. I wasn't at church were directional things. You know, go to the church, turn right. If you see the church, turn. Don't go in the church. I don't want you to go in the church. Just go to the, they're directional items. Man, I love being in the church. I love what happened to my life. His word has radically changed me. That's the two things I wanted you to see in verse 7. Let's look at verse 8 and 9 again. I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. And when I heard and seen them, I fell down, at the, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who had been showing them to me. But he said to me, don't do that. I am a fellow servant with you and with your fellow prophets and with all who keep the words of the scroll. Worship God. This, this was not the first time that John did this. If you have your Bibles, just turn left just a couple of chapters and look at chapter 19 and look at verse 10. This one's a little different. It has a little different flavor to it. This, John says, at this, verse 10, I fell at his feet to worship him. But he said, don't do that. I'm a fellow servant with you and your brothers and sisters who hold the testimony of Jesus. Worship God. Now, John obviously was not a perfect person, right? We, we, we see in the book of John when he's written in there, 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, we see about five times he says to about himself, the one that Jesus loved. I was the beloved. No other writers ever speak in that language. Only he says that, right? I'm the one that Jesus loves, he would say. John wasn't perfect, but I want to tell you what I don't believe John was. I don't believe John was an idolater. I don't believe John was involved in heresy. This is what I do think about John. Now, my theology might get a little fuzzy here for some of you, okay? So just hang in there with me. I don't know what it's going to be like in heaven. This I do know. I know this to be true. We have two jobs when we get to heaven. Serve and worship. That's going to be our two jobs, period. So all we're going to do is serve and worship. Sonny and I have gone to church off and on together for years and years and years. I was telling the last group, when we first started going to church together, the Dead Sea was just getting sick. 
It hadn't even died yet, okay? It's been that long ago that we had been going to church with each other. Sonny knows all these people, you know, all these musicians, and man, he would bring them in. And there was this one guy that Sonny brought in, this guy named Jerome Olds. I don't know if any of you have ever even heard of Jerome Olds, but Jerome Olds is a singer. Man, him and his wife had some, had some children, some boys. They got together. They had their own Christian band. And Jerome, man, he could sing like a bird. But Jerome was at church one day, and he was talking. And he said, you know, you know what I think? I think for the first 1,000 years when we're in heaven, we're going to be going He said, we're going to be in this silent scream saying, that's him. That's our Savior. That's the creator of everything. Now look, let's get back to John. Now John, maybe he's got in this this worship state. And he's like, I just got to worship I have to worship now. Kind of like when we're singing around here. I mean, don't you get that? Like, like, Lord, this is it. I mean, we just sang a few minutes ago. This is what heaven sounds like. This is what freedom feels like. Man, I'm like, this is it. We're in worship right now. And John, I think, I think just my theology, John's like, I got to worship. And then he drops at the feet of an angel twice. I want to be very, very clear about this. I want to make sure you hear this loud and clear. We do not bow before anyone except God. Period. Not even angels. I'm so proud that the angel said, don't do it. Stop. Worship God. Can I tell you, we don't worship our spouses We don't worship our parents. I know some of your parents. I love some of your parents. But we don't worship our parents. Can I tell you, we don't worship our kids? We don't. Look, I have two. I think they're pretty stinking good. You know, I think they're pretty good. But we don't worship our kids. Let me be very clear about this, what I'm about to say. It may sound harsh to you, but I want you to hear this. We don't worship our pastor. We don't. We worship God. If you ever have a doubt about that, I want you to hear the voice of the angel. Don't do it. Worship God. There is nobody between us and God, not an angel or anyone else. Our worship is for God period. John had to be reminded of that twice. Again, I'm not saying that John was an idolater. In fact, I think clearly he wasn't. I think John was in this euphoric worship. I just got to worship. When we do that, we make sure we're worshiping God and God only. Let's look at verse Number 10, then he told me, the angel, he says, do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this scroll because the time is near. Now, we know that back in Daniel chapter 12, 
verse number four, Daniel was in this, this trans state of this vision and this, 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 this angel was explaining this vision and, and they, they looked at Daniel and they said, Daniel, I, I need you to roll up this scroll and seal it because the time is not now. Now, they, they're not ready for this. It's not now. I love now. The time is near. We are to have God's word open in our homes, open at our church. Lo and behold, I know this will sound crazy, open at your work. The time is near. Again, I'll go back to what Jesus said in verse 7. Blessed are those that keep the words of the prophecy written in this scroll. It's not time to seal it up. It's not time to hide it. My daughter had a, had a basketball coach at her high school. I, I love this guy. He's one of my dear, dear friends. And I'll never forget when I first saw him. By the way, Jacoby was a McEachern graduate. He was a McEachern graduate. Coach Hood, he's at Marietta High School, Marcus Hood. Marcus Hood, he would always have his Bible in his back pocket. Man, every game, our girls had scripture on their game plan. Every game, our girls had scripture. And I asked him one day, I said, Coach, you, is that, are you worried about that? And he said, nope, nope. God's word, we've got to put it out there, right? What did Isaiah 55 tell us? God's word, it will not return void. It won't do it. We share God's word. Not sealing it up. Verse 11 starts to get a little heavy. Verse 11 here starts to get a little heavy. In fact, verse 11 may give some of you a little bit pause. You may look at that and go, whoa, where, where, where is the... I, I didn't think this was like in the Bible, this kind of stuff. So verse 11 says this. Let the one who does wrong continue to do wrong. Let the vile person continue to be vile. Let the one who does right continue to do right and let the holy person continue to be holy. So is God saying there's no hope for us? Is his word saying that there's just no hope, that we can't change, that if we're bad, we're just going to be bad, if we're vile, we're just going to be vile? Is that what God's word is saying? I don't, I don't believe that at all. So years and years ago, um, started... Um, I'd been called into the ministry. I had a good friend of mine give me this, this Warren Wiersbe uh, B-series. B-E, like be faithful, be joyful, that, that kind of B-series. And it's all of the New Testament, right? And so I use that Warren Wiersbe really, really good. Suddenly I went to church with a guy named Ken Brown. And Ken Brown one time, he said, Warren Wiersbe's like a fine wine. It just gets better and better. I don't drink wine. I don't know what wine tastes like, but I take his word. I get that picture, right? I get that picture. And Warren Wearsby is so good. This is what he says about this. This is his commentary there. He says that this is about character. Remember I said, I don't want you to lose the perspective of what verse 7 said. He said, I come quickly. In the mindset of whenever he comes, it's going to happen fast. I don't know. You don't know. I haven't seen it written in here. I've read this through several times. I haven't seen it written down in here. But when he comes, 
is going to come quickly. It's going to happen very quick. Wearsby says that this is about character. I want to tell you something about our character. Our character doesn't change fast. It just doesn't change fast. So, he says this. He says that your decisions determine your actions. And your actions determine your character. And your character determines destiny. Now, let's kind of put this in perspective. Oh, are you saying, Stoney, that if you have really good character, you'll get into heaven? We know that answer. Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. A couple of weeks ago, Craig shared Revelation 3.20. Revelation 3.20 says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone would invite me in, I would come in and sup with him and me and him with me. Jesus wants to come into our lives. There is only one way. It's not through good character. But can can I tell you that character does have some value. Character matters. Um, if, you, if you were to have your Bible, you could turn, just a left-hand turn over to Galatians. It's Galatians chapter 5. I think uh, when COVID first struck and we started doing our, I think we, we did like a series online, a virtual series. I'm pretty sure this is one of the, the, the series that we went through with Craig. So remember I said, well, I'm quoting Warren Wiersbe. He came up with it. Decisions determine actions. Actions determine character, and character determines destiny. Let's look at Galatians chapter 5, verse 19. The acts of the flesh are obvious. So it's the acts of the flesh. So clearly, there was a decision made not to follow Christ. That's what this group of people have clearly made the decision. So then here comes their actions. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions and factions and envy, drunkenness and orgies and the like. And I warn you, as I did before, Paul says that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. It's pretty cut and dry. It's pretty. We have to be exceptionally careful of our decisions. Look what happens when we make a decision to follow Christ. Verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, it's joy, it's peace, it's forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Go down to chapter 6. Let's look at verse number 7. This is clear as a bell. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from their flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Our decisions determine our actions, and our actions determine our character, and our character determines our destiny. Let's don't miss that, that we looked at verse 11 and we went, wow. God says just let us be let us, let us have our own way. Let's do our own thing. That's not what he's saying. He said, when I come back quickly, make sure your character is right. 
So this will probably surprise some of you. But I was born July 24th, 1964. You, you probably thought it was 84 or something like that, but it was 64. That means I'm 58 years old. God willing, God willing, July comes around, I'll, I'll be 59. I don't know when that day is that I'll, that I'll, I'll get promoted to glory, as we like to say in our church. But in between whatever that day is and that July 24th, 1964, is that dash. Guess where we're at today? We're in the dash. You and I, we're in the dash. The dash matters, y'all. The dash is where we're at today. I, look, that clock started ticking on July 24th, and I don't know where it's going to end. And if you do, please just keep it to yourself. Don't tell me. I like to find out on my own. I'll be worried and all this other stuff. So I don't know when it's going to happen. But let me tell you something else that's also clicking on. Jesus said in verse 7, I'm going to return. And when I do, I'm going to do it quickly, right? So here's this one going this way, and here's this one going this way. This one here is the dash. This one here is going to happen quickly. Now, maybe the dash occurs before Jesus comes back. If it does, it does. Remember I said I know we have two jobs? When we're in the dash, let's worship and let's serve. That's our job. going to be our job in heaven. Might as well go ahead and get tuned up with it, right? Forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. We'll be worshiping and we'll be serving. Why not go ahead and get started with it now, right? Because we're in the dash. But if he comes back while we're in the dash, character is going to matter. Because we're not going to have time at that moment to go, oh, I see what's going on. Let me get right. Hey, while we're in the dash, let's worship and let's serve. That matters. Well, verse 12 is, um, is where we're going to next. Jesus says it again for the second time. Look, I am coming soon. Again, that's the word. It's tacky, uh, which means quickly. My reward is with me, and I will give to each person according to what they have done. I am the alpha and the omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. By the way, this I am, that's the exact same I am that's in Exodus 3. When he tells Moses, you tell him that I am <laughs> This is the same I am, y'all. Same I am. Some really good news there for some. Jesus is coming, and he's bringing his reward with him. And he says, hey, I'm going to give to each person according to what they have done. Man, for some, that is good. That is good. Maybe they're not in the dash anymore. Maybe they're in the dash when this happens. And Jesus is going to give them a reward according to what they've done. For, for some, it, it won't necessarily be good news. We'll, we'll share a little bit about that. Look at verse 14. Blessed are those who wash their robes that they may have the right to the tree of life and may go through the gates into the city. Outside are the dogs, those who practice magic arts, the sexually immoral the murderers, the idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. Again, we got some really good news. 
King James Version, instead of saying, blessed are those who wash their robes, says, blessed are those who keep my commandments. What, 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 what commandment? To love me. How do we love him? We give our lives to him. We wash our robes with the blood of the lamb. What Jacoby experienced. We take the blood of the lamb and we wash this, this crimson sin stain white. And we have the right to enter into the city. You should go back maybe this afternoon and read uh, 22, 1 through 5, this, this description of this city. Re remember what happened in Eden, in the garden there, when Adam and Eve was kicked out? What did they do? What, who did they put at the gates? But these angels there, and they had these, these swords. They did not allow anybody to come in. But now because of Jesus, because we have our robes washed, because the, the king of kings, for whatever reason, has chosen to live inside of me, inside of you, we, we get to go into the city. We have that right. Man, isn't that good news? Man, I think that's awesome news. There, it's kind of followed up with some other news, though. The other news is that outside are the dogs, those who practice magic arts, the sexually immoral, the murderers, the idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. Yeah, unfortunately, there are people who make a decision who their actions motivate to turns into their character, which turns into destiny, who make the decision not to follow Christ. May that not be said here. I, I want to tell you, I just I want to be very, very transparent with you about who I am. Church was not something in our house. I, I want you to hear this. I lived a life that I am not pleased with from the time I was 10 to the time I was 16. My mother has been married and divorced 10 times before she was shot and killed. That's shocking for you to hear that. I want you to know that we have, nobody came along until my girlfriend did and she started praying for me and her mother and they were telling me about this, this love of this person that hung on a tree for me. That radically changed my life. I was lost, y'all, but now I am found. I was blind, but now I see. My life radically changed. I remember going to high school the very next day. I'm walking down the hall, and I had this old football coach, Coach Paxton. I'm sure Coach Paxton, he was old then. I'm sure he's gone now. Golly, I've been out of high school for, I don't know, 50, 60 years. I don't know how long I've been. I've been out of high school a long time. And I'll never forget, I'm walking down the hallway at Osborne High School and Coach Paxton's beside me. And this is Thursday morning. I said, Coach, you're not going to believe what happened to me. He always called me like, he'd call you by your position. What, what happened, quarterback USA? Now look, I'm 5'9". I'm I wasn't much of a quarterback. I got, to, I got to see a lot of football games from the sidelines. I'm just being honest with you. I, I said, Coach, I got, I got saved last night. I got saved last night. I gave my life to Christ last night at church. 
I'll never forget he turned to a good friend of mine. He and I shared the same birthday. Scott's gone. Scott, Scott's passed away. And he looked at him and he said, hey, fullback USA, no more coaching, uh, cussing around quarterback USA because he's going to be a preacher one day. Like, coach, I, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. Listen, until they started explaining that love of Christ, I, I did not know what it was. You, you sit under Craig Bowler. You sit under Sonny Lavastet. Today, you sit under this teaching. There's not an excuse for not knowing the love of Christ. It's radically changing. When I tell people about my mom, it kind of shocks them, you know? And I just want you to know, I've been married to my wife, which will be 40 years in April, God will. I didn't know what stability was growing up. I literally did not. When I was 17, I'd moved out. I'd moved for the 18th time. There was a group of people at Osborne whenever I gave my, gave my life to Christ, and they come along beside me, and they, they were going to the same church I was going to at the time. Man, they loved me, and it really just brought me into the family. I was so thankful. Jacoby, you're going to have them, brother. They're going to they bring you in. Psalms, I love it, where it says, he brings the lonely into families. That's what, that's what our Savior does. Now, not everybody, I, I got to be honest with you, I've shared the, the love of God many, many times with my mother. And on uh, November the 15th of 2012, she lost her life. And I don't know. Y'all, I don't know. I don't know. I'd love to think that she's in heaven. But I don't know. <laughs> There's just a part of me that doubts it. I can tell you what I know about me. <laughs> I'm going there. And if she is there, in the midst of worship and service, we might be like two worms in a can. You ever seen two worms in a can? They're just all over each other because cans are small, worms are... It, it, never mind. We, we probably going we're probably going to love on each other. So Craig texted me a couple of months ago and says, hey, man, would you, would you be willing to speak? And he gave me two Sundays, November 27th, first day of Advent, and this Sunday. Craig always has the text. Hey, this is what we'll be teaching on that day. This was the verse that he texted me for this one. 27th, we were out of town. So I said yes to this. 22.16, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this testimony for the churches. I am, I love I am, I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright morning star. I told you I, 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 I use Warren Wiersbe. I have what his commentary says about Revelation 22.16. Warren says, our Lord's titles in Revelation 22, 16 are the most interesting. The root is buried in the ground where no one can see it, but the star is in the heavens where everyone can see it. 
In the root and offspring of David, we have Jesus' Jewish national name. But in the bright morning star, we have his universal name. One speaks of humility, the other of majesty and glory. The root is not seen. The root was before David, offspring after David. We're going to sing here in just a little bit. Even when I don't see it, you're working. The root is the Holy Spirit inside of us, and sometimes we don't get to see it working in people. Remember what Paul said in, in 1 Corinthians? He said, I, I, I planted, Apollos, he watered, but God made it grow. God's at work. God's at work in our lives. I, I, I kind of think of this as being like the, the, a real visual of this that we see in verse 13. I am the alpha and the omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. You know, I am the first, I am the root. I'm the last, I'm the offspring. It's really even the bright and morning star because that is just not going to end. You know, about a year or so ago, my wife and I, we, we, we moved up to Dahlonega. So I get about a 75-mile trek. To church. I don't pass a church coming here. It's crazy. I don't understand it. I go, this is the only church I pass. I'm just kidding. Clearly, I pass several churches. But this is my church home. I'm going to drive here every Sunday because this is where God's called us to be. It's kind of funny out there in Dahlonega. It's kind of not a lot of street lights. So I get up early in the morning, take my dog out. I got a golden doodle, take him outside. And you just can't believe how bright the stars are. We just had, you know, last weekend, Christmas. Probably some of you may have read Luke chapter 2, maybe even Matthew. I kind of like Matthew has a pretty good, really focuses in on the star, the star, the star. God's light shines bright. He's before and he's after. So, this, this passage in verse 11, this, this passage in verse 15, maybe, maybe it's kind of got you concerned, all right? Let, let those that are doing wrong do wrong. Let the vile be vile. There, there are some that are outside. Those are the dogs, the, the murderers, sexual moral, all those people. Maybe, maybe that's got you a little bit concerned. Can I just share verse 17? Because verse 17, it takes and it wraps from verse 7, to seven, it just wraps it all up. It is so good. The spirit and the bride say, come. Let the one who hears say, come. Let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who wishes take the free gift of the water of life. We're in the dash, y'all. And when we're in the dash, this word applies to us. It's very clear. Come. What did Jesus tell that lady at the well? If you drink of this water, you will never thirst again, he tells her. If you're thirsty, he says, come. Look, I, I don't know. I've told you I've read through this thing multiple times. I don't, I don't know. I haven't found yet when Jesus is coming. But this is what I do know. There's some things that are going to have to happen first. Can we show 2 Peter 
This is really cool. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise. What's his promise? His promise is he's going to return. He's not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he's patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. It's God's will that everyone would come to repentance. You know what Satan's greatest lie is? This is Satan's greatest lie. You, you remember this. Satan's greatest lie is there, there's no hurry. There's no hurry. You, you can wait till tomorrow. You can start reading the word tomorrow. Tomorrow would be a good day for you to give your life to Christ. Tomorrow, there is no hurry today. But yet, the word tells us that he instead he's very patient not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Hey, we're in the dash, right? I don't know when the dash is going to end. I do know this. While I'm in the dash, I'm going to worship and I'm going to serve. That's what I'm going to do. Can I just real quick, I just want to show you Psalm 95. This is so good. Come Let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. For he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. Today, today, if only you would hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did at Meribah, as you did that day at Massa in the wilderness. In fact, I didn't provide that, but I, I got to show you this last little part of this because it's, it's so good. As you did in the wilderness, where your ancestors tested me, they tried me, though they had seen what I did. You would have to be intentionally not looking for what God has done. People want to know, what, what, what's your evidence of God? Well, I can tell you what mine is. It's a changed life. My evidence of God is a changed life. Jacoby's evidence of God is a changed life. The Spirit and the Bride say, come. If you're thirsty, come. Let's don't put off what we have the opportunity to do. Satan says... There's no hurry. You can wait. I wouldn't buy into that if I were you. Let's pray. Lord, your word is so good to us. It is such a blessing to be in your word and have your word pour over us from this pulpit, from our pastor, from our worship team. Your word just gets poured over us. We get the opportunity to have your word in our homes, in our hearts, and have it be a blessing to us. I know, Lord, you are patient with us. This new year, may we have lives that are just solely and wholly committed to you every day. We love you, Lord, and we ask all this in your precious son's name. Amen.